after your staff being your first customers, your second most important customer, is who's going to buy your business when you want to sell it. Biz Women Rock, episode 136. What's going on? This is Katie Kermitzos. I'm your host of Biz Women Rock. This is the place where you will hear really inspirational and really honest stories from businesswomen who have great journeys to share so that your business can truly be touched by it. Before we get rolling, here's a little word from our awesome sponsor. Are you tired of hearing how powerful LinkedIn is but have no idea and maybe not even that much desire to learn how to make it work for you? then you have got to get LinkedIn Focus. LinkedIn Focus is a powerful program that will give you the exact strategies needed to produce results for your business. Just go to linkedinfocus.com forward slash BWR. Now let's get into it. Angela Wright loved her farming childhood so much that she decided that everyone should experience it. So over 20 years ago, she created Creeley Great Adventure Parks in the UK and expanded it into multiple locations. Well, after 20 years, millions of visitors and hundreds of employees, she decided that she and her family would have their own adventure and up and moved to Australia and started completely over. That's when she founded Optimizing Business. This company is focused solely on reputation marketing and helping businesses and savvy business owners manage and leverage their reputation online, specifically leveraging Google. In this incredible interview with her, Angela shares her secrets to managing so many moving parts in her past life and all of her expertise as to what you need to do to manage your reputation online. That's what she does in her business in this life. You're going to love it. She's got a lot of energy and a cool accent to boot. So let's go. Angela, what's going on, girl? Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. It's so nice to be talking with you, Katie. I love that you're on this this call with me. You are in Australia right now on completely opposite ends of the earth from me. And this is why I love technology, because we still get to communicate and get to connect. You have such an amazing entrepreneurial history. You are one of those people that I consider like entrepreneur from like the get-go. Like you have just produced so many great businesses and have had so many awesome business experiences. So what I would really love to start out with was um, a little bit about maybe your childhood growing up or, you know, just something. Where did that little entrepreneurial bug first bite you? Oh, well, thank you for asking me about that. And um, I just had this great country childhood, but it was quite unusual because first my grandparents um, and then my parents were were living in the home of a famous Elizabethan explorer. So um, over in the U.S., particularly in Virginia, you would know him, um, and in and in Britain, you'd know him as well. So it was Sir Walter Raleigh, and he was um, he was favourite of Queen Elizabeth I, and he came over and founded the first colony in Virginia, and he discovered potatoes and tobacco neither two great things actually but brought them back to the uk <laughs> but but you know i like I both of those the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so i grew up there and it was part of the arrangement that every summer afternoon 
either my grandma or my mum would show visitors around the house. And that was right through the house. That was through the living room, the kitchen, through the bedrooms. So I thought it was quite normal that you'd you'd be showing people through through your house and uh, mum would say, quick, quick, tidy your room. And sometimes I'd still be in my bedroom and they'd be coming um, along the hallway and I'd hide in a wardrobe or under the bed or something. (laughs) So, so, So really, my childhood was all about hospitality. We were a farming family and... Um, you know, hospitality is very big there. Whenever anybody calls, it's 11 days, you know, morning tea, they call it in Australia, or lunch, or tea, or, or dinner, or whatever. And, um, and, and, but I didn't have pocket money. So when I was about 10, I started making tea and biscuits on the lawn for some of these visitors. And I would go to the cash and carry and work out my sums for which biscuits and tea and so on. <laughs> so um, well, my oh. parents have always you know, been entrepreneurs, I suppose, in, in addition to being farmers. And um, uh, just I've been lucky enough to have had such great fun meeting such lovely customers and people working with me to deliver it. I, I got to ask you this, like, okay, what, looking back now, what were some of the major like business lessons that you learned you know, like making snacks and juice for all of your guests? Um, well, my mum always used to say, if you don't ask, you don't get. Oh, I like and that. And you've, you've got to be very clear about what you ask for. And unfortunately, a lot of people worry about things. And, and that's really a bit of a waste of time. But if you worry about things, it means your attention is all on those things. So inadvertently you're sort of asking for more of the same because whatever you focus on grows. So that's one lesson. Be careful what you wish for and ask for what you want and be really clear. And I think the second lesson is something my dad always said to me, which is you've just got to get great people around you. Mm, That is what it is. It's just get great people around you. You know, give more than you take, but nonetheless, be really clear about who you want to be around. Right, right. So what were your first forays into like official big time kind of business? Like when, what was that first thing that you really did that you said, okay, this is my company and and I'm doing it? Okay. So I I tried lots of different things, I suppose, Um, you know, going through college and so on. But but just going back to when I was a child, I'd have this little fantasy of, um, of what if I had little paddocks full of guinea pigs and I had all different kinds of ponies, you know, from all over the country? Uh, and what if I had these lovely people coming to visit and, uh, you know, and I could, um, all I was, feeding the calves and picking up the piglets and seeing the chicks hatch and running wild in the countryside and climbing the trees and making dens in the Dutch barn. So that was sort of my little fantasy that I was living most of it, but but adding embellishments I suppose and so when I was first married and had my first baby it suddenly hit me how can I recreate my country childhood for 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 yes for my son but also for all these other people that haven't had that and aren't going to get it so so that's when that sort of fantasy that I'd had started to become reality and I and I, I I'm a big one for writing things down and having a plan because if you don't have a written plan you can't improve it. It's just too nebulous. So I started to write this this plan in my head and um I was extremely lucky because my family had had bought another farm and it was near the motorway. So it was a great location. But not just that, 
it had a really good feel to it. It was it's a shallow sheltered valley and it had some great history to it. And so my idea started to have a place and I created that vision, I suppose. Um, eventually persuaded the family that yes, we'd have a go at doing that and uh, and then once it was past the bank and the planners and all of those official um, routes that you've got to trek through, then we started putting it into action. So I spent um, 18 months planning that seriously and getting the permission, six months building, and we opened in 1989. And that was essentially recreating my country childhood, and that became Creeley Creeley Great Adventure Park in Devon. Um, And then we subsequently went on and built... Uh, or, or created a second Creeley. So we had Devon's Creeley and Cornwall's Creeley, both great adventure parks in the southwest of England. And they became the favorite family days out in the southwest of England. And we were just blessed to be able to share all of that with hundreds of thousands of, of people, millions, actually. So it was, um, it, it was, so that was, I suppose, my, my big thing. And for a long time, I felt that was really my purpose to create that and, um, and give that. Well, when um, I was doing all of my research people. about you, Angela, I was like, I want to go there. <laughs> I mean, it, well, I think you should. I, I mean, it, should. It's, it's a magical place. I know. Well, and it's, I just have to say this, like, to, to bring that kind of an idea to fruition, to, to manifest it, and to manifest it not only once, but over multiple locations and make it an international park. I mean, that's, that's a really big thing. And that's, that's not small. So I, I want to dig in there just a little bit, because before you could even, you know, open all of the other ones, you really had to get the first one right. So what I would love to know is how, like, what was your plan? What were your first steps on actually creating this business, this adventure park? Like, what components did it have? Like, what were some of those major pieces that you had to put together to actually make this place run? Katie, that's such a good question. So to to start with, there's one big question, and that is, who is it for? It's not going to be for everyone. If you try and, and do what you're doing for everyone, it's going to be so bland that nobody will love it. So you almost want to figure out, well, who isn't it for? And then who is it for? Who am I doing this for? And that's first and foremost, your customers. And chief among your customers, and I think people forget this sometimes, your most important customers are your staff or anybody helping you. Mm. you your if you like your first follower, your first followers are so critical because otherwise you're not a leader. You're just a lonely person going for a walk if you've got no one following you. So <laughs> you, need, you need your staff or anybody helping you, whether that's family or outsourcers or contractors or whatever, anybody at all, partner, kids, get them on board so they understand. And, and that means telling a story and telling a story. What's it about? Not the functional aspects of it, but what, who's it for? What, what difference is it, going to, is it going to make? And once you've figured that out, then you can talk to your audience and you can think, right, where is my audience? What are they doing now? Um, what sort of language do they use? Where do they hang out? Um, what do they want to get out of this? Because, you know, we're all time poor. We've all got so many choices. Right, right. Um, so, so that's the big thing. Figure out who it's for. Um, and with, with what I was doing back in the day then with creating Creeley Great Adventure Parks, that was really for children and their parents to have those magical times, say, safe adventure and real magic. 
right. and to and to really have that freedom together. So, you know, you mentioned your number one customer really being your staff and being, you know, your team. Um, and really, I've heard so often from other great ladies on the show that they will say, take care of your team and your team will take care of your customers. What kind of leader are you and what kind of strategies did you use in interacting with your team to make sure that your customers were getting, getting taken care of and that your business was moving? Well, firstly, nobody's perfect. And um, <laughs> I think being aware of your faults is really important. And I'm acutely aware of mine, which are myriad. So what you have to do, you have to have the confidence to get people who are better at you, be- better than you at doing certain things, uh, and and then be very clear as to what it is that your your expectations are. And if your expectations marry up with that person's expectations, you know, and you've got some clear objectives, perhaps KPIs, or you know, not very many. Um, then it makes makes it easier. But you have to be careful. It's you. Yes, you do have to take care of people, but you can't fix people, and you can't live their story, and you can't want anything more than someone else does for themselves. That doesn't work. Yeah. So you know, you know that that saying of mine: get great people around you. Right. You need people who are happy. And I mean, before. I said yes to my husband. Uh, um, I said, I don't know if we can get married. I don't know if I can make you happy. And David said, I'm already happy. I don't need you to make me happy. I mean, that was the biggest gift ever. Love and really, that. that's great what you're guy. Yeah. Oh, great, <laughs> great guy. God, am I lucky girl. But that's, that's the big thing. You, you can't make someone happy. Don't think you can heal the world and fix the world. You can only fix yourself. And if you can do a half decent job on that, and there'll always be more fixing to do, then you just need to be clear about what you what you're going to be delivering and and find people who want to go in that same direction and who don't have a whole heap of very heavy emotional baggage. We've all got some. Right. You know, one of my great coaches says to me, Angela, people are skin bags of emotion. (laughs) <laughs> and that's true, but, but but too much emotion means you can't function, you can't think, you can't act. And you see it in people when they're worried, they slow right down, they're afraid to make a decision. Uh, and, you know, those people can't help themselves, let alone you. So you can't, you can't live someone else's story. I think that's been my big lesson. You know, God knows, you know, I've tried and we've all tried, but you can't. All you can do is try and be the best you and, and obviously be kind and be generous and be honest and all of that. But don't think you can fix someone else. Angela, you've got to get. What have you? You've got to get people who 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 want to be with you and and want to go to that same direction, that same place that you're heading. And you'll have some detours on the way, but the main thing is they want to get to that same place as well. Right. What have you done in times of fear throughout your journey? I mean, there has had to be times when you've been like, I have no idea what is going to happen <laughs> a step from now. Like what what have you done or what habits have you cultivated to help you move through that? Oh, well, gin and tonic is a wonderful thing, <laughs> Katie. <laughs> yeah, so that's one. Um, I think you you just have to try and breathe deeply, really. And, you know, fear is... Um, what is it? False, false, false actuality, not realized or something. Or real anyway, or something. It's, it's, it's false. It, it is scary. And do you know the really scary thing? 22% of women live with anxiety either all or most of the time. Oh, wow. That's huge. That's a big That's percentage. Huge. 20, yeah, 22%. It's a big study just released in the UK. 
and 15% are men, but all or most of the time to have that anxiety in your stomach is, is, is unpleasant. So the deep breathing and just getting good people around you. And if you, sometimes you have to say, right, I've tried it that way. I've worked my fingers to the bone, you know, it's not working. So this is a, a message. What, what else can I do differently? Right. So how long did you run Creely Great Adventure Parks? Um, for um, 21 years. For 21 years. So there yeah. were a few, few lessons learned during that time, <laughs> right? Just a few. Yeah, what would absolutely. You, what would you say one of your most dark moments of that time was? And how did you pull through it? Oh, golly. Um, oh, when you're dealing with hundreds of staff and hundreds of thousands of guests, um, or, 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 you know, thousands of guests in a day, there are always dark moments because people bring themselves, you know, to work or to your business. Um, and sometimes it's, it's feeling helpless, you know, if somebody's having a bad time. And sometimes it's when you realize you've made a mistake. But if it, here, here's a lesson. So I'd taken on um, a key member of my team at one point. And this is before I'd emigrated, but I was just trying to, you know, put everything in place really before there was any announcement or whatever. And, uh, and he'd been with me for a, f- a few months and things had started to show that, that weren't quite right. And I was walking the dogs one evening with one of my boys who at the time was 14. And I was saying, you know, I'm really concerned about X, Y, Z because of this, this. And my, my son said, mom, there are 6 billion people in the world. There were at the time. There's now 7 billion people in the world. <laughs> mom, there's 6 billion people in the world. Why would you keep one that worried you? Mm. very wise so, son he's very wise he's, he's a, yeah he's very wise and and so that's but that's the truth why would you keep someone in your life who worried you now, I'm not talking about you know a, a little something that's that's just blown up but I mean if it's long-term anxiety if there are some deep chasms between your values and theirs then, then it doesn't mean that you're a bad person if you sort of set them free to find somewhere else to spend their time. Right, right. So it usually comes back to our perceptions and our expectations. And if they're in line with what, what can be delivered either legally or by your team or in your market. And now a little word from our awesome sponsor. Would you spend $20 to bring $40 back into your business? How about spending $1,000 to get $3,000 back into your business? Let's be honest, the most savvy entrepreneurs know that marketing has to be part of their business plan. The key is to execute marketing strategies that actually work. And that's where Postcard Mania comes in. Postcard Mania is a full-service marketing company that uses statistics from their over 60,000 clients to create targeted marketing campaigns that actually produce results for you. I sat down with the founder and CEO of Postcard Mania, Joy Jandusa, who just happened to be the guest on my very first show, and asked her why she does it. What what impact do you want to have on this world? I want to set a good example. You know, I, want, I definitely just feel like I want to set a good example. I want people to realize they can do it. I'm no rocket scientist. I'm, I'm smart. I'm definitely smart, but I'm a high school dropout. I mean, basically, I'm self-educated. So I just, want, I just want to set a good example and, and live a good life and inspire people. Get started today with a 1,000 free postcards. 
Go to postcardmania.com forward slash bizwomenrock. Now, what was the impetus for you transitioning out of the adventure parks? That was such a big thing. The, the key thing was we suddenly realized that our children were all growing up and leaving home. And two had already left. Um, and so there were just three kids at home. And, and we were, David and I were, were part way down this 10-year plan to come out of the operational side. I was the managing director. David ran one of our other parks, largely. Um, I was the MD of the group. And uh, I mean, we had this plan to retire out of operations and, you know, sit on the board and be more strategic. But actually, when you're dealing with quite a high-intensity business, high-volume high business, um, there's always something that may, is probably going to suck you back in anyway. But anyway, that was our plan. And we suddenly realized, crikey, if we do that, they'll all have left home. And actually, we really liked hanging out with our kids. They're really interesting people. And so we thought, what if we had a great adventure of our own? We've delivered great adventures for millions of people for 20 years, working double shifts. Um, I mean, my family's been so tolerant of, of the hours that I've pulled. Um, and I, when I was 16, I, my parents brought myself and my younger brother to Australia, thinking about emigrating, and I just loved it. So I'd always sort of hankered. I always said I was going to go back, and then life gets in the way, and you carry on. But we thought, right, if we were going to have a great adventure and maybe go live overseas somewhere, uh, you know, before all of the kids leave home, then where would we go for a couple of years just to try it out? And we looked all around the world, and we came um, over to us a few times to look around again, and we decided to come to Australia. So it was really about suddenly realizing family time was as we had it then wasn't going to be around for much longer so what could we do to have that time together and perhaps give the um give our family that that perspective of living in a different hemisphere for a bit as well what did you what was your actual process for the transition did you sell the business did you was it kind of like somebody from the outside ended up taking it how how did you manage that transition that's a really good question i think it comes back to another big lesson that i've learned um, which is, um, and if you haven't got this in place, stop what you're doing and go away for half a day and figure out how to do it. And that is how to structure your business right from the start. Um, because that is really important. But what we did um, for ourselves was, firstly, we had to figure out if, if my husband and I thought it was a good plan. Then we had to figure out if the kids thought it might be a good plan. Then we had to talk to um, the, the rest of the family, because we were in a family business with um, my brother, um, was in the business as well, and my parents. Um, so we had to, we sort of went through all of that process and got approval all the way along. And um, and then we figured out, right, if we were going to do that, what would we need to do? Um, and how would that work? So we recruited a managing director, uh, two general managers, um, one for each park, a marketing manager. Um, and then when that was in place, um, or when the, the MD certainly was in place and, and approved, then I called a big staff meeting and told my staff. And that was really, uh, I was in tears about that. Yeah, and, that's um, going to be tough. Yeah, that was really tough. And But by that time, we'd written the press release that was ready to release. And, you know, we'd got everything in place, really, so that the communications can be clear. And I'm a I'm a strong believer in write down what you want to happen and what you want to be said. Don't read it like a parrot, but just get it written down because that enables you to get things clear in your mind. 
and possibly improve upon it. So we were very clear as to what we were going to be doing. And then, you know, then once we told the staff and our lovely customers and, you know, the community, then we were, um, we were heading off for a couple of years. So we had a lot of parties to leave. <laughs> um, but we, 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 you know, got a team in place. And, you know, obviously my, my brother and my parents were still there. Um, and as it turned out, um, we came to Australia. Um, we traveled a lot. We found where we wanted to live. And um, some months later, we did decide to sell. But um, I was so lucky because my brother... Um, wanted to buy the business so the business is still in the family so oh, I feel really great. blessed about that yeah and Chris does a very good job um, of, um, of, of you know looking after everybody. So now you've moved down to Australia you've kind of settled in what what happened? Because look, once an entrepreneur, always an entrepreneur. And no matter how much you say, hey, we're going to go have an adventure and retire and hang out, like stuff always comes up. So what happened for you? What started happening for you that started getting the business juices going again? Well, I don't think they ever completely stop, do they? I mean, we, we, they just don't because there's opportunities everywhere you look. And I know that's one of my things, you know, is, is seeing opportunities looking at the past, looking at the world best practice and then bringing that to actuality, whether that's for myself or, or, or somebody that asked me to help them or whatever. But um, So we came to um, a lovely city in Australia. We were going to build a theme park there. There was several million people, no decent theme park. We knew how to do that. It would have been great fun. Trouble is we're not city people. So we we were here for a while um, and we realized, you know, this is a great opportunity. It's a great place. But you know what? It's not for us. We're country people, really. And um, and to be honest, we didn't really feel like settling back into normality straight away. And we, we had an opportunity for the kids not to go straight back into school because they would only have been repeating the last time of the year. So we decided to go traveling for another three months across Australia. So the day our dogs came out of quarantine, which is a month after landing, we had got a big Land Cruiser and a camper trailer and we packed up three kids, three dogs, and we took off. Um, <laughs> and it was just great. And, and right up to that point, and, and probably for a, a month into that, I was writing business plans for every opportunity that I saw until David said, you know, you haven't got to do that. You can just take some time. You haven't got to do that right now. And that really gave me some clarity. And I took two years out and looked at what really matters in business today. And what I found was it's all about your reputation. It's all about what the world says about you, not what you say. It's about what your customers or clients say about you. It's about what your community says about you. And that means that's what Google says about you. And so it's all about optimizing your reputation. And, and then your customers and your clients can do your sales and marketing for you. So that's what I discovered. But that's complicated because... It's um, Google and other uh, search engines and citation sites have made it very easy for people to give reviews. Right, right. Because they know, and the reason they've done that is because they know that that helps deliver a good fast search result. But the trouble is that ancient part of our human brain, the amygdala, looks for bad news. And if, you're, if, you, if you neglect your reputation now, Possibly it was ever thus, but it's it's magnified a thousandfold now online, right. and the speed is a thousandfold now online. So if you neglect to 
take care of your reputation, if you don't have a strategy, that means you're at the mercy of what anybody wants to say. But not only that, human bias is that people who don't have such a good time, even if you're brilliant, they might not be having a good time in their life. They just want a rant about something. That's who might be influencing your business success and your ability to help your customers or clients. So that was the big, big lesson for me. Then I I spent a lot of time figuring out, well, how to do that. And I ended up with a process which is which is unique and so important. And you're going to see so much more emphasis placed on, on reputation marketing. I call it reputation optimization because it is about optimizing your business in terms of what other people are saying. I call it Web3. As I said, it's less about what other people are doing and more about, sorry, it's less about what you say about your business and more about, what does the world say about you now? So so that's what, what I did really. I, I took that time out. And then during that time, just as happened in the UK, because you know we had a high volume business, it had to be fairly high profile to do that volume. Um, and I was lucky enough to serve in our British association, our international association for many years. And, um, and the business won some awards. So people would say to me, Angela, what would you do about this? What would you do about that? So I started consulting during the last 20 years in the UK. And, and likewise out here, people would start to say to me, oh, Angela, what do you advise about this or that? So I set up um, optimizing business to, to be able to help people. So, so here's a, a freebie for someone. If you want to know what people are saying about you and your business, if you go to uh, www.reputation-online.net, so it's reputation-online.net, it's a free tool I've put up. You can put in uh, your business phone number and you can see what people are saying about you, um, what citations you're in, what your online presence is like, etc., what your reviews are like. Um, and then there's a, a, another step if you want. You can put in your email and you can get a, a training uh, a training process about understanding that. Uh, it's all completely free. It's just, just it might be really helpful to people. But that's what I really learned was the big takeaway. Because, Katie, there are so many spokers out there. Right. with their own agendas to take your money. And what, what may be right for them may not be right for you. You know, if, for instance, if you love figures and analysis in the stock market, then, yeah, playing the stock market is great. But if you don't, you're not going to become a different person. If you love property and you always have and, you know, love doing things up and you can understand the property market, then, yeah, that might be for you. But if you don't love that and all of the detail that goes behind it, then don't put there. You have to find what's right for you, you know, really what you enjoy doing. And um, you're not going to enjoy all of it. None of us like the VAT or the GST returns or whatever, you know, <laughs> but you've got to find out largely what makes you happy when you do that for other people and what can you do well? What knowledge do you have that you can deliver something really well? Angela, um, so that you, what would you say don't. that you, um, like with all the clients that you've had in dealing with this reputation marketing, what would you say is the number one most common mistake that most people make? Don't com- they don't communicate. Meaning, be specific about that. Like they're, they just choose not to be online in ways that they should be or. Okay, there's a good question. So one of the first things that I, I help people with is their copy, their long and short copy. And, uh, and I say to people, okay, so what, what currently is your, have you got a headline, a tagline? If you had to say something in a hundred characters or 200 words or, 
you know, all these different sort of variables. What do you say? And usually it's all about me, me, me. If they've got anything at all, it's usually about, oh, the business does this, the business does that. It's about features, not benefits. And, and people don't want to know that. You should cross out all the I's and we's and ours in your copywriting and replace it with you and your and turn it around. So this is about what does your customer or your client get from what you do? So, so that's just a basic. But if you haven't got that compelling headline or a tagline or if you don't have any guarantee or you don't have a, a clear description of what's in it for me, you know, for the customer or client, then why should they bother reading it? Right. Here's the thing. We all get distracted now at least every 11 minutes, at least. And yet it takes 26 minutes to get into flow. Right. There's a fact. So you need to shut off your own distractions and think hard about what you're going to do and just let that happen. Probably get yourself a coach and let that happen. And uh, and just think about what's in it for your customer, your client. And so and then the other thing is a lot of people haven't claimed or optimized their Google plus page it's now called google my places page so if you haven't done it do that another thing is people have claimed different things online with a whole raft of different email addresses very often their own personal one which means they don't really want anybody else to help them because it means they get their inbox well you don't want to do that so you need to set up an an online marketing gmail account i recommend if you haven't already just use it for your online marketing and get your google my business page claimed and optimized uh, and then you can be asking people to give you reviews and obviously claim all of your social media even if you don't want to use it claim it in your business name and if your business is all about you think about how you can make it um all about your customer and your client or systems and processes that your business delivers because after your staff being your first customers your second most important customer is who's going to buy your business when you want to sell it and if you don't ever want to sell it we're all going to die and somebody probably will. And if it isn't worth anything, then why not? It means that you haven't set up any systems and processes. You haven't delivered any value that can continue. So just think about how you can position your business so that it's not just totally dependent on you. Well, that was going to be my exact question because you went from running and managing hundreds of people, hundreds of, of team members, and now you really act as consultant. Um, how, what sort of systems have you put into place in this business, which is so different than the last big company that you had? And how is that? how are you managing that so that you know, you're running this business system versus you kind of spending your time and trading your time for dollars? Don't get me wrong, you know, we all do some of that too. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, because if, if people get a bit stuck on something, then you're going to be you're going to be assisting it and certainly when you're setting something up most the main reason most people don't set up systems and processes is it takes three times as long if you just do it as a one-off you can do it if you then have to analyze what you've done and create a process around it it's at least three times as long but what we use just some some simple tools that we use and love um we like Basecamp for project management love Basecamp, tried lots of different project management systems and you can get it to hook up to your um, your online calendars as well, which is cool. Um, and I also like spreadsheets. My accountants have always laughed at me because I put colors in my spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> but I love, so I use something called Smart, or we use something called Smartsheet and it's like a spreadsheet on steroids uh, and we use those two things a lot. Uh, we use Dropbox 
Um, a lot we use um, Google. Essentially, we have an online marketing Gmail account. For instance, um, you know, your company name at gmail.com or as close to that as you can get it. Uh, and then we make sure that we've claimed um, you've got a decent Google Plus profile. You've got a Google My Business page for your business or more than one if you've got more than one um, business or, or key aspect. You've, you've, you've claimed all your key social media and you've got something there. And you're enabling people to talk about you and say, you know, what you've done. There's also a really neat thing. Um, if you have a WordPress website, which are so easy to use, um, there's some, some really good tools that you can use so that you can post a blog um, through an email and then that can be disseminated across your social media as well. So there's lots of little easy little tools to use, but um, those, those are some of our favorites. Angela, um, you know, throughout all of these years, I mean, you've just always had this entrepreneurial brain. So this is not the only thing that you're doing right now. Tell, tell us a little bit more about like some of the other business things you got bubbling. Oh, thank you. Um, well, yeah, we've got a few other things on the go. Um, one business that I'm super excited about, I'm, exci I'm as excited about this as I was when I started our theme parks back in 1989. Um, and it's, it's, it's all about health and zest. And so I've been looking, um, I've been seeking out what's the truth really about our health and our well-being. Uh, I've been looking for that for years. Um, and I've, my family and I have taken all kinds of supplements, um, you know, some for two decades really. Um, but we, we found something that's so exciting we've we i feel a bit like the remington ad you know that old cheesy guy who said <laughs> i love the show i bought the guy so we actually created a little company around this it's pre-launch but it, it's up online so do have a look at this it's called getyourboomback.com so get your boom b-o-o-m back.com and we founded it with a rebellious spirit um, and a life-changing objective, seriously, to offer revolutionary frequencies and formulas combined with wearable tech designed to aid health and zest. So, Angela, with all of these ideas and all of this going on at the same time and your kids and, you know, how do you manage all of this? Well, um, not perfectly, I think imperfectly you have to get used to imperfection don't you if you're going to make any change then it's not going to be perfect and whoever came up with if a job's worth doing it's worth doing well I think has, has a lot to answer for because that's prevented a lot of people from doing anything so if a job's worth doing you have to accept that to start with you're not going to do it well you're going to do it badly just like when you learn to ride a bike you know you're going to fall off you're not going to be perfect you're going to wobble and, and even even with an expert, when when a jet pilot flies a jumbo jet, he's off course most of the time, but he still gets there. He's just is making minute corrections all the time. So well, like it's that. it's it's being able to live with imperfection, but having knowing what your destination is. Although you know, if something happens at your destination that you didn't realize when you set off, then it's it's it, you can pivot. If you've ever been on a Google startup weekend, they talk a lot about pivots and it's, it's allowed to pivot your business into something that's perhaps closer to what your purpose is and what you can do. 
And we figure that all out, out along the way by having a lot of hiccups and, you know, hitting walls here and there. So yeah, um, that happens, doesn't it? You just got to keep getting up and keep being aware, I think, and keep listening because we, you know, we all get messages and so we just have to pay attention to what they are. Um, but, but, you know, still, still be your own person, still make up your own mind, listen to what everybody says, but, but make up your own mind and just go for it. Don't waste time. Just go, just go for it. All right, I want to go ahead and finalize this conversation by transitioning into your favorite five. Are you ready? Oh, okay, I'll give it a go. (laughs) All right, how about um, your favorite book? Okay, there are so many, and I've been thinking about this because I've listened to some of your other podcasts, you know, and thank you so much for those. You have such, um, you've had some great people on, so I'm very honored to be um, uh, uh, able to be on. Um, there are so many books. We we're, we're big readers, and we got a you know library full of books. But do you know, one that I really like is by um, by a girl I met in London. She's called Rachel Bridge, and she wrote How Do I Become Successful? And she also wrote. Um, oh, sorry, no, she didn't. That was mine. Stupid me. She wrote. <laughs> I was going to say, Hang on, girl. That no, is your sorry book. about that. <laughs> sorry about that. She wrote. Duh. She wrote um, How I Made It. Um, and that's a good book. And she also wrote How to Make a Million Before Lunch. Uh, and these are lots of stories from lots of different uh, entrepreneurs who've made good, whether it's Richard Branson or someone that started a vineyard or whatever. But So I like those two. Rachel Bridge, um, How I Made It and How to Make a Million Before Lunch. Nice. Okay. How about your favorite social media platform? Oh, that's a really good question. I really do like Google, um, Google Plus, Google My Business. I probably use facebook most if i'm honest okay um but there's a lot of businesses that it doesn't serve but it's very convenient and they're very clever um so i like to use both um google plus and everything associated with that um and facebook um, i do use some um, instagram and tumblr tumblr is great for the younger generation anybody under 30 your market's under 30 um you know really 15 15 to 25 maybe it's great. And if you ever watch someone on Tumblr, you can see that attention span is so reduced now. It's so fast to go through that. Um, uh, I'm not a huge fan of Twitter. I use it. Um, I like it. It's useful. Uh, I quite like Instagram. But I, uh, practically, I use Google and uh, Facebook most. Excellent. Google Plus and Facebook. Okay. How about your favorite dessert? Ah, oh, <laughs> let's, get all into, of them. let's get to the important questions here. What about your favorite yeah. dessert? <laughs> all, 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 all of them, all of them. Um, I'm trying to be alkaline at the minute. Um, my best friend is having um, a health challenge. So I'm trying to be alkaline to support um, support her. Um, so mangoes, you can't go wrong with mangoes and lime juice and vanilla and a little bit of ginger and honey that's really good but if I was being decadent it would be chocolate every time (laughs) (laughs) of course it would come on um how about your favorite way to spoil yourself oh golly that's a good one I do love to go to the beach I go to the beach most days and take my dogs um it sounds um don't know if I should admit this but if I've got a really good book then just being able to curl up with that really good book is great to me nice. but um but hanging hanging out hanging out with, with my husband really that's probably the best way to spoil myself <laughs> okay and last question 
because you grew up, you know, with animals, you had this whole, you know, adventure park with some animals. What is your favorite animal? Oh, uh, that's a really good question. I love all animals. I love horses and dogs most of all. Um, and we brought our three dogs with us. My dog uh, is um, with me um, most days. But you know what? Of all the animals, I probably have to say that most of all, I love the human animal. Because we are animals. We share nearly all the same DNA as, as a lot of other species. And um, I, I do love people. I've learned not to uh, expect people to have the same expectations as me. So not everybody's going to love you, but most people are good people. So, yeah, humans, I think, probably overall. That's the that's the most unexpected answer I think I would have gotten. So that's great. <laughs> Well, Angela, I really want to thank you so much for being here and for sharing your story. It was amazing. I really appreciate it. Katie, I'm honored um, to spend time with you. Thank you so much for having me. Angela is obviously someone who I would consider incredibly seasoned as an entrepreneur. That girl has been through so many evolutions of business and so many different types of businesses. And you could tell she's just so passionate about them all. I mean, just so many businesses and so uh, just so much energy goes into every single business. So I just um, I think my overall takeaway is just that I loved that she was so energetic about business and that she just was all about learning and most importantly I loved that she really itemized out like we're not perfect and this is not a perfect ride and just throw away any expectation that it's going to be. So Thank you for that reminder, Angela. I appreciate it. And don't forget to go visit the show notes, bizwomenrock.com forward slash 136, because I will have a direct link there to the um, URL that she had given to get the online reputation uh, little test thing that she had talked about in there, which is super cool. So thanks so much for listening today. I will see you on the next episode. Um, and, and I always think your first customers are your clients. Um, um, let me take that again. Oh, rubbish. That was rubbish. Let me take it again. <laughs> Damn it. We were in such a good groove. And then uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can do this. Okay, let me take that again. Okay, and three, two, one.